Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest news, opinions, and training from top building performance, rating, and auditing experts. Here's your host, committed building science enthusiast and registered professional engineer, Bill Spohn. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Res Talk podcast. It's our goal here to communicate late breaking news and thoughtful insights into the broad array of topics in the world of residential energy ratings. The ResNet community, we hear you and wish to engage. Winning national housing awards year after year comes with focused effort. However, the efforts put forth by Thrive Home Builders are not focused on winning awards alone. What are the simple concepts that Thrive executes so well that have put them in such a special group and allowed them to flourish or thrive? What advice does Thrive have for builders who wish to start the journey to high performance and even net zero homes? Well, our guest today is Gene Myers, who founded Green Tree Homes in Denver area in 1992. And this is well before green was a thing. Under his leadership, the company has grown into the very successful and award-winning Thrive Home Builders. Gene has developed this award-winning green building program to meet the highest standards of LEED, Indoor Air Plus, Zero Energy Ready Homes, and Energy Star. In 2020, Thrive also achieved the lowest average HERS score, that's 26.9, in the country, for a builder completing more than 50 homes. He's also recognized as 2019's Indoor Air Plus Leader of the Year. Now, Thrive tells their potential customers that they can, quote, breathe easy knowing their Thrive home was built to the highest health standards with superior air quality. Gene has a recipe for success that he shares with us openly in this conversation. One of the key points of this conversation or recipe is education. And we'll learn more about that as we listen to Gene in this episode. We have today with us Gene Myers of Thrive Home Builders. Good morning. Hello. Good to see you. Same here. Gene, tell us a little bit about Thrive Home Builders. Just orient us to where you're located, size of the business, years in business, that kind of thing. We're located in Denver, Colorado. We're kind of a homegrown Colorado builder. All of our work that we've done over the years has been in the Denver metro area, although we are about to expand up into the Fort Collins area, which is about an hour north of Denver. We build around 200 houses a year. And I started the business back in 1992. So I know this is just audio, but if people could see me, they'd see a lot of white hair. And <laughs> They'd believe you when you say 92. <laughs> yeah, 1992 is when I went on my own. And the name of the company, it was a semi-custom home building company back then, and it was Green Tree Homes. So green before anyone knew what I was talking about. So I think that's been part of our story is we've always been a little bit ahead of the curve, sometimes too far ahead of the curve. But I'm really happy to say that we feel like our customers are ahead of us now as an industry. So it provides us a really great niche to compete in a pretty competitive market here in Denver. So we're going to talk today about high-performance home building. And is it true that you've always been doing that? Yes, we started off in the available program way back then was a utility program that Public Service Company of Colorado had called the Ideal Energy Home. And we've evolved. The programs have certainly evolved since then. I think we joined Energy Star in about the late 90s and then joined the DOE Zero Energy Ready Home Program in about 2012. I know of the Zero Energy Ready Home Program, and I wasn't aware it's been going since 2012. Was it different back then than it is now? 
That was about when Sam Rashkin jumped from EPA. He was kind of the granddaddy of Energy Star for Homes and went over to DOE. The Department of Energy had an incumbent program that they called the Challenge Home. And it had been going for some time before Sam got there, but he rebranded it. Actually, the request of a group of builders that we were a part of that we didn't feel like we needed another label. We're pretty sure our customers didn't understand the labels that we were using. So we asked them to name it something that describes what it is. So thus came the Department of Energy Zero Energy Ready Home Program. Kind of a mouthful, but at least it was very descriptive for our customers. Would you say that's sort of on a spectrum of high-performance homes? How would you break it out in terms of maybe levels of high-performance? Is there something like that in your thinking? Well, I call it Energy Star on steroids. So okay. the program incorporates Energy Star. Mostly, if you're an Energy Star builder, you can meet the energy requirements of DOE, zero energy ready. But the Zero Energy Ready program also requires compliance with EPA's Indoor Air Plus program for indoor air quality and the indoor portions of EPA water sense from a water conservation standpoint. I think it maybe is one of the first programs that started off as an energy program and began to broaden the definition of high performance. And that's what attracted us back then in 2012 or 2013 to make the leap because Denver's in an arid place. I think everybody thinks of Colorado as the mountains, but for people who know Denver, we sit in what I think at one time was referred to as the high desert. It's the Great Plains right at the foot of the mountains. And so water conservation is really key. And I have this saying that for years I've said our customer is a 35-year-old woman who drives a Prius, shops at Whole Foods, and has boulder-like tendencies. And, and that's boulder with a O-U-L-D-E-R? Yeah. So Boulder, Colorado is sometimes referred to as the People's Republic of Boulder outside of Denver. And so boulder-like tendencies, I think the terms earth shoe and granola have often been used to describe boulder-like tendencies. But really what we're trying to describe by saying that is someone who's leading an examined life and interested in their impact on the environment. And all things being equal would make the choice a greener choice in all of her purchases. And so as an energy efficient builder, we felt like we were challenged to educate the customer about why they should care about energy efficiency. And there is always the save the planet piece of it, but we felt like we needed to communicate the value proposition, dollars per month saved on energy as compared to dollars per month in additional monthly payment. And that education process was relatively complex. We felt from a health standpoint that she knew about health and that she knew that and cared deeply about the health of her loved ones. And so the way we describe it is that we can come alongside her and help her gain the peace of mind of knowing that she's done all she can for the people she loves. And that elevates the conversation on the sales floor. I've heard a lot of builders say, I can't afford to do a green building or energy efficient building because all my customers really want is the granite countertop or nowadays it's probably the quartz countertop. And I've always said, well, give them the quartz countertop with the savings, the monthly savings that they'll get from the energy 
piece, but along the way, the DOE Zero Energy Ready Home Program, by virtue of the Indoor Air Plus aspect, was a way for us to connect on a level that I think goes way above and beyond the desires for the finishes in the home. If we can really help her understand that there is a connection between health and the home, we think we can just elevate that conversation. And yeah, I'll admit back in 2013, it was not easy. I think we've probably built around a thousand healthy homes since then. And the pandemic obviously has completely changed the conversation where for the last year, we've all been pounded into us that home is the healthy place. It better be the healthy place. There was a time last fall, Denver was really impacted with terrible outdoor air quality because of the wildfires in the Rockies. And we're kind of shut down because of the pandemic. And the first reaction is, well, let's just get outside. And then when it's so bad outside that you can't even be there, you retreat to your home and you realize maybe home's the last stand when things just aren't going well. The castle. Yeah. And it's then that it clicked to me that maybe what we're really about is the health of our customers and the health of the planet by virtue of being energy efficient, conserving resources. We're moving to all electric. And then on the not too distant horizon, looking to provide carbon offsets for the carbon footprint of the construction of the home so that we can really look our customers in the eye and say, here's a carbon neutral choice that is good for you and good for the planet. And so that's kind of a spectrum beyond where we are now. But it's a lot easier to talk about health with our customers now, let's put it that way. That was a very long way of saying it's a lot easier to talk with our customers about health in the home now. So, Gene, you spoke a couple of times now about educating customers. What kind of assets or resources or conversations do you have? Some things that you've done, other things you can refer other builders to who are listening? If I were going to prioritize what we've done with education is, first, you have to have really educated people on your own team. So, does that mean, is it sales training? Well, yes. Is it training of your construction team? Yes. It's really training everybody to develop a culture within your business around high performance and why we do what we do. So that is a long-term ongoing process because people move and you have turnover and you just have to constantly be reinforcing your brand to your own people. And then we need those educational resources for that are outward facing to your customer. And nowadays, the obvious point is that it has to be your website, your social media, all the assets that you have online, because we're not even open yet. We're a year into the pandemic, and we're not open to the public to just walk into our models yet. Everything's by appointment. And the sales funnel when I first started was you put an ad in the Sunday paper, and people get in a car with a map, and they show up, and then you try to winnow out the prospects from the looky-loos. And it's just totally different now where the funnel is your digital presence. And it may even involve your star rating on Google as a builder. And definitely people getting to the website somehow and perhaps through social media. And I confess at my age, it seems a little like a magical brew, but we have some digital natives in the company that this is their 
the way they live. It's not like they had to be trained. And they're very good at that. We have an online salesperson, Scott, who's image pops up when you get onto our website, Let's Chat. And we just have a shocking conversion rate from people who Scott can set up an appointment with to closing, like sometimes as high as 30%. And I would say those are the tools. But we also have in our sales offices, we convert a garage to what we call our design and technology studio. And in order to simplify our business, we do design center packages so people can pick their flooring and cabinets and all of those things, tile, et cetera, there. But while they're sitting there doing that, and sometimes that's an hour or more, we have images on the wall explaining the three legs of our brand, efficient, healthy, and local. And from an energy efficiency standpoint, we talk about solar, we talk about battery storage. From healthy standpoint, we have an image in our design and technology studio I just love. It's a little girl in a high chair, and our 35-year-old woman is leaning over to feed her. And the message, it goes something like, the air she breathes is just as important as the food she eats. And most people don't understand that we breathe in, and we don't think of air as having pounds, any weight, that we breathe in as much or more pounds of air every day than we do the pounds of food that we consume. And we all get that if there's anything bad in the food, we've got a problem, but we don't necessarily connect the dots that if there's anything bad in that air, we also have a problem. And I love the image because we're really getting at what she loves the most. It's her child and what mom wouldn't do all she could for the health of her child. That's one of the images. And then local, we are a local builder. It's something, we have a really high concentration of public companies that build in Denver and local's not something they can claim. And so we claim that. I have a friend who used to have tomato greenhouses and he sold to Whole Foods. I said, so are you building, are you growing organic tomatoes? And he said, no, we're local and Whole Foods loves local more than organic because the customer loves local more than organic. And so we think the local piece of it is a great differentiator for us. And the example we have in our design and technology studio about local is a picture of a bunch of cut logs stacked up from our beetle kill epidemic that is really decimating our lodgepole pine forests in Colorado. And the question is, can anything good come from that? Because you just grieve when you drive up I-70 and you see the browned out forests. And the answer is, yeah, we can build houses out of trees that have already died. And by clearing that, we're reducing wildfire fuels and we're replenishing watersheds that are so important to all of us in our arid state. And our customers love that. It's almost a visceral image of destruction in a way of the forest, but why don't you be part of the solution by buying a home from us? And I think all these things, are any of these the clincher that will get you the deal? Well, it's cumulative. We did a building science center, homemade one during the Great Recession. It was bad. It was too much and too complicated. And I remember walking a woman-owned public relations firm through it and I take them to one section and say, well, here's the Tyvek and it's like Gore-Tex for your house. And 
Here's the single two by four wall that all those bad competitors are building. And here's a two by six wall. And here's our double two by four wall. And by the way, our value is good. Uh, bigger is better. Her score is good, but lower is better. And seer is good, but higher is better. And it was just a really complicated, difficult way to try to educate our customers. And I got all done with it. And I turned to them. I said, did this matter? And they said, absolutely. So, well, why? It shows you care. And my advice to a builder is that above all, people care about their own purchase and they really want to work with a builder that cares just as much as they do. And I think it's so much more important, honestly, to convey that than the building science principles and defining the HERS score and all of those things. Again, it's an emotional, visceral appeal that you want to make to your customers that, hey, we care. We care about you. We care about the environment. And what's so great is we've had some recognition here lately from ResNet. And why do we like that? Well, we like it because it validates to the customer that we care. It's not that we're greedy for awards, but the customer is so confused when they're shopping for a home because every home builder claims to be a quality builder. Some builders have their own proprietary green programs, which they then pound their chest that they comply with. Some builders have proprietary health programs. And what we like to be able to say is, we're a quality builder. How about that other builder? And, you know, says who? And we want to be able to say, well, the United States Department of Energy gives us housing innovation awards every year for the last eight years straight. Well, congratulations on that. And I want to make sure the listeners understand that too. Was it the Indoor Air Plus Award? Are there other awards? We were Builder of the Year for Indoor Air Plus in 19. We were one of five or six builders last year that got the into our plus leader award. And so these are third-party validations. That's the point I'm trying to make. It's not the awards. It's that here are some trusted sources like ResNet. When ResNet can say, we looked at all 300,000 homes that were rated last year in the U.S. and you were the, at the lowest HERS score of any builder that builds more than 50 houses a year. That's an important thing to get out to our customer, that it's not just us saying, oh, look at us, aren't we great? They're such consummate consumers, they know to distrust what product manufacturer or builder says about himself. And so that's where this recognition really helps us with our customers. And I'll be honest with you, it helps us with that internal brand as well. Our people are proud, and I'm proud of our people for the products that they build every day. There are some builders out there that will go to a one-off demonstration house and they'll get a Wall Street Journal article on it once a year. And I read those and I just shake my head that building a net zero amazing house is just another day at the office for us. I'm so proud of our team that's able to perform at that high level day after day, year in, year out, through pandemics, through recessions through the good times. We just have this incredible team that I've never had anything like this in my entire career. That's how we do this. Is it's the people in our organization. Congratulations. That's very important to focus on the people and the customers. So how about some things that you maybe have any kind of challenges or things you have to sweat the details over, perhaps with the local market or products, some things that you really pay close attention to? Well, honestly, the 
answer to that question that comes to mind first has nothing to do with the way we build. Just getting the land to build on is really the ultimate challenge for us. And we do make it more difficult. We have to run the numbers all based on the comps around us. And it costs more to build a better house. And I know none of us want that to be true, but I found that to be true, that it does cost more to build a better house. And we have to be really careful about going into locations where we think that customer who will value what we do wants to live. And then we've got to go compete with the big guys to pull that land deal down and make the numbers work in spite of our higher hard costs. And yet it's been a few years now, but some of our team thought maybe we need to just set up a different brand and dumb down the product so that we can actually compete on these land deals. And I just asked the question, why did we get this land opportunity in the first place? Well, it's because of our reputation, because of who we are. And it's the right answer to dilute your reputation because where does that lead? It makes you just like everybody else. Start building again. What I've said for a long time is, at least in our market, I believe that the riskiest thing that a builder can do is to be just like everybody else. Because if you're now a commodity and the economy turns, where interest rates go up, it's just a race to the bottom. And who are you racing with? Well, you're racing with D.R. Horton and you're racing with Richmond American in our market, Lenar, the really big guys in our market, and they will win that race. So my advice to builders, and we're still here, we made it through the recession, we made it through all these 30, almost 30 years, we built a durable brand by being who we are every day, no matter what the market looks like, no matter how tough the land negotiation had to be. And that high level of differentiation, I think, has really helped us because there is a market. And I can't speak for national markets. We're only in the Denver market. But in our market, there are people who will pay a little more for a better house knowing that every month they're going to get paid back for making that decision through lower energy bills. So that's what we built the business on. And I recommend it to particularly small builders who I have a lot of empathy for small builders. It's hard. And they're signing personally on loans and they're taking inordinate risk in order to try to do the right thing and build the right house. And it was somewhere probably 10 years ago, maybe that we just worked so hard to build the brand. And finally, it looked like the brand had started working for us where we started to see opportunities. We'd have cities call and say, we want you in our city. We want you building our housing stock. Or a master plan community developer would say, we want to create a green image for our master plan. If anybody wants to do that, we're going to get the call in Denver because we can help reinforce those brands. So it may be hard when a builder starts out on the path to high performance, and it may seem like it's not worth it, but my advice is stick with it. And eventually, if you work hard on your brand, it will start working for you. And you can start to see a way forward that is a lot easier than it is in the beginning. You sound like quite a leader. And you did talk about educating your team first. So that takes some guts and leadership. Maybe a couple of leadership tips or actions that you take on a regular basis with your team. This probably started not quite 10 years ago where we started to be very deliberate about 
communicating and reinforcing our values to our team. And we put together a one-page business plan. And I think these one-page business plans are out there in some of the leadership books, management books. I think Traction's one of them. But this actually came to me through a sales trainer named Jason Forrest, who really had a big impact on me. And he coached me through some of this. But we put together a one-page business plan. And across the top are our values. Things like this. Our mantra is to always do the right thing. And I tell people, if my job is to follow 45 people around who are just trying to do the right thing, I have a great job. If they weren't, I have a miserable job. (laughs) Yeah. Our mission is to set a new standard for how home improves life. Our purpose is to be a force for good in our community, with our trade partners, and with our people and our customers. And so they sound fluffy. They sound kind of high-minded. But here's the thing. If you don't talk about these things and those are the values you want and you cherish for your people, they don't happen just by doing it in an orientation for a new employee. They have to happen with reinforcement every day. And so this one-page business plan, every Thriver has a personal one-page business plan. And the top part is our values. The middle part is our metrics, the things we're measuring, like for a specific project, if you're a project manager or an assistant super on a project, your sales goals, your starts goals, your closing goals for that project, your cycle time goals, your budget overrun management goals, your zero item punch list goals. We use a company called Avid to do our customer satisfaction ratings. Your Avid rating goal, all of those things are customized by project to each employee. And then we get to the bottom third and it's, here's what I'm working on for the quarter. Here's what I'm working on for the month. And here's what I'm working on for this week. And then at the very bottom, we end every one-page business plan that's updated weekly in a huddle with wins and gratitudes. And I think that is really important. And again, it sounds super fluffy, but here's the thing. If you're managing by exception, which is kind of the way people manage. They're just managing problems all day long. It can be a negative existence. But if at the end of every encounter that you have with a group of people, and if every week you sit down and take stock and you have to say, what am I grateful for? And what was the win for the week? It just changes the tone of how you approach each day. And in the middle section, there's also a concept that Jason introduced to me that we call it playing above the line. And it's kind of a triangle and there's a line through the middle of the triangle and it's broken down into six segments. But the top of the third segment is a big bold line. And if you're playing not to lose, well, that's below the line. And that's coming at your job like I'm just going to keep my head down and my mouth shut. And we find most people who come from other builders, they come to us with that mindset because it's been true where they worked. Just shut up, do what you're told, and you'll get by. There's another below-the-line behavior called playing to compete, and that sounds counterintuitive, but we're talking about the corporate ladder climbing, compete at the expense of others that we characterize as below the line. And then we get above the line and we're playing for improvement and we're playing for challenge and we're playing for mastery. And we have a fishbowl in our conference room. If we ever had conferences in our conference room, it would matter more, but we'll get back there someday. But when you go below the line, you got to put a dollar in the fishbowl because 
what are we after? We're after self-awareness. Is what I'm about to say going to tear people down or is it going to build them up? Is what I'm about to say going to be counterproductive or is it going to be adding to improvement? And we have a lot of talk about playing above the line and keeping it above the line and keep it above the line with a customer. Keep it above the line with your trades. Bring your trades along and teach them to go above the line. All of these things are the Maybe nothing to do with energy efficiency and all of that, but it's about being a, not just a building high-performance homes, but building a high-performance organization. So does the representation of the triangle indicate there's less people playing at that level as it narrows towards the apex? Yes, it's, it's a triangle. So that playing for mastery is, there was a lot of debate about, can you ever master anything? And it's like, that's not the point. The point is the trend. You want people on the trend of continuous improvement. And that's really all that's saying is if you're playing for improvement, improvement's about improving yourself. Challenge is about improving others. And mastery is about you've sort of arrived at a level that maybe not very many people achieve. And maybe winning 11 grand awards for it for housing innovation from DOE over the last eight straight years. Maybe we're at mastery of the DOE Zero Energy Ready program, but there's still so much we can work on. So I think there's an element of humility in all of this as well, that if you start to believe that, oh yeah, we've arrived, we can just stop. Well, you never stop because the world is a messy place and we always have things to work on. And once we have achieved some level of competency at one level, you want to find the next one. And maybe that's where this awareness that it really isn't just about energy, it's about carbon. Maybe that's the next frontier for us. And I'd like to see some of the programs start to address that. As you move to a different level, your perspective changes. Yeah. We covered a lot in this discussion here. Very wonderful had no idea it would go in this direction. So thankful it did. <laughs> Me either. This was great. I got one final question for you. And then you've a chance for you to give like a final thought to the listeners. But my final question is, when's your book coming out? Maybe it'll be a while. I'm too busy working, but okay. All right. Think about it, Gene, please. I've enjoyed helping others with their books. Sam Rashkin has a new book that's coming out, and it's been interesting to be a little tiny part of that. Steve Easley just sent me a book on zero net energy in California, and it's nice to be a little tiny piece of that. And honestly, we're not, I've been criticized over the years for not preaching to builders and embarrassing with the way they build their houses and that's just not who we are. Who we are is let's just show what's possible. Let's show the industry that you can have a viable business and do what needs to be done for housing in America and for our customers. And I'd like our actions to really speak louder than words. Maybe that's the right answer. A book, I guess, is words, but I just like to be the builder that showed what can be done year after year in the vein of continuous improvement. And that's the satisfaction for me, is to just see how far we can go. And I'll say that at the end of the Great Recession, it was very discouraging. It just seemed like no matter how good you were, how hard you worked, how smart your ideas were, that nothing worked. And we're at the opposite of that right now. We're in spite of the pandemic, everything works. And 
I remember that time in the recession when it didn't. And that's the gratitude for me is that we never gave up and we held it together for times like this. And so now's the time to just start to build on a higher foundation and get better. And I think that energizes our team. And I think they're inspired by the fact that we just keep on moving. And it doesn't work for everybody. We have people self-select out. We rarely have to run people off, but it's hard when every week everybody can see your results (laughs) and there's nowhere to hide. And I think we're a kind and gentle builder, but we all have to perform every day and connect the dots between what we do every day that makes the week, that makes the month, that makes the quarter, that makes the year. That's really the tool that the one-page business plan is for us. That's a great summary here. Amazing conversation. Really appreciate it. I want to make sure listeners heard Thrive Home Builders, Gene Myers, the average HERS index score for homes built in 2020, 26.9. That was the top of the list. So congratulations on that. Well, thanks. And if we have another moment, you started the top of the conversation about what advice would I give other builders who are contemplating getting on the high performance path? And my one word of advice is don't go it alone. You need to plug into a program that's a legitimate program because there's support there. We have the building science. We have marketing materials in almost all of those programs. There's help there. So you don't have to reinvent this stuff. Get a good energy rater. Because the energy rater knows what works in your climate zone, and he knows what other builders in your market are doing. And you go to the home show or you listen to a webinar about some sexy new product, and your rater is going to tell you, I think, that you can build these homes out of Home Depot. (laughs) It's how you build them. You don't have to go down the road of some crazy new wall system or something like that. And it's not that I'm opposed to crazy new wall systems, but as a rule, they're not going to deliver at a price that your customers can pay in volume. Bring your family into it so that it's you're not alone because it can be lonely. And then bring your people along with you and get them trained and take them to the conferences. And I call it infecting your people with your vision When I look back on at least my journey, that's been the satisfying part is the people who have joined the journey with me. And it does feel really lonely, especially when things aren't going well. So I think that I heard somewhere where some high-tech startup requires co-founders on every new venture that they do because they know that if you're alone, the potential for failure is much higher. And so there's a whole ecosystem out there with the Environmental Protection Agency, with the Department of Energy, with Raiders, with the Energy and Environmental Building Alliance that we've done most of our training with, the technical training, and even sales and marketing training. Plug into this network and it'll make your journey more satisfying and it'll shorten it. And I really think that there are so many resources out there that honestly, they weren't there when I started. I just urge builders to take advantage of that and get out there and do the right thing. Make sure you got a co-pilot on your journey, at least one. Thank you. Wonderful conversation again, Gene. Look forward to meeting you in person someday. Yeah, I'd love that.
we can talk further. And thank you for coming on the Res Talk podcast. You bet. Thanks, Bill. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Gene Myers of Thrive Home. And keep in mind, one of his key points is education. First of his team, then of his customer. And he uses the resources of the programs and also his HERS Raider in this continuum of education. If you're a pro in the building market, surf on over to resnet.us slash professional to learn more or to join the email list. You can also find ResNet on Facebook or Twitter. Quote for today is from Margaret Mead, an American scientist. Never believe that a few caring people can't change the world, for, indeed, that's all who ever have. If you're interested in feeding back to ResNet on what you heard here or would like to hear a new topic covered or just have a general question, please send an email to info at resnet.us. If you've not subscribed to this podcast, please do so. And as always, thank you for listening to Res Talk. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Res Talk podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spohn and is a production of ResNet, the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for ResTalk. If you are willing, a review on iTunes of the podcast app will help others find the show and would be very much appreciated. We look forward to talking again soon on ResTalk. <laughs>